Welcome into episode 153 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Felice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Uh, the Bruins defeated the Philadelphia Flyers this afternoon at the Garden, six to nothing. And so that that makes the Bruins what? They're 34, five and four in the season. They have 10 points clear of the second place team, who's still a game in hand in, in the entire league. So um, we saw them play a very close game against the Maple Leafs on Saturday. Two really good teams, obviously. Um, the Flyers, they've been playing well of late, but they don't have the talent that Boston has, and they kind of show that uh, for the entire 60 minutes this afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Like the, like you said, Flyers, you know, were one of the hotter teams in the NHL. They won seven of eight coming in, and wasn't all against scrubs. They had two wins in a row over Washington. They shut out Buffalo, who is the number one offensive team in the NHL. Um, you know, one at LA, which actually they swept the same road trip that the Bruins just went on. They swept LA Anaheim and San Jose. Um, but yeah, clearly. So you kind of, you see that and like, you kind of start to wonder like, Oh, like, you know, could Philly make some noise? Is this, you know, more than just kind of getting hot for a few games, but uh, yeah, they certainly looked extremely overmatched today and, you know, maybe it was an off game for them. I don't know. I haven't really watched enough for the, of the flyers to be able to, tell you know exactly what their talent level really is but clearly could not compete with the bruins um you know bruins were on them pretty much from the jump uh you know Krejci helped set up an early goal on on just a great play by by the whole line um Krejci getting it over to zaka and then setting up Pasternak and floodgates kind of open from there another goal for that line later in the period and Bruins just kept building, um, you know, flyers didn't have really at any point, a ton of great chances, you know, swimming had to make a few good saves in net for the, for the Bruins, but, uh, wasn't tested a whole heck of a ton. And, uh, that was Canadian right there. No, that, that was, that was, a, that was a pause. So we, were, <laughs> we were talking, we were talking before the podcast about like, I said Scott's whether got a Canadian into, accent. <laughs> whether we sometimes like slip into Canadian, because uh, we'll, we'll get to this later. But we were talking about Elliot Friedman's report about uh, progress being made with with David Pasternak extension talks. Bridget seems to think like I slip into Canadian accent sometimes. You just which I did. Don't. No, I, that was a pause. That was an uh. That a was heck an of a, a ton. <laughs> no. Scott's walking around. Uh... Bill Ricca Memorial High School back in 2007. How's it going, eh? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Whoa, where did this kid come from? Sorry, I cut you off, but that was funny. <laughs> I was done anyways. Not okay. not just with that point, but with the whole podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> See you later, Scott. Um, we're two minutes in and we already lost Scott. But um, no, so that that game, I feel like I could have left like in after the first period and I would have known what was going to happen. Like, the, the second and the third period were like a formality. It was like, all right, well, we know where this is heading. Um, and it just became like piling on at the end um, because it was kind of clear that there wasn't a comeback brewing. Um, but really the story like it is not that Philadelphia like rolled over. It was just that um, the Bruins and especially the Krejci line, like, they were able to understand it's like a 1 p.m. game on a holiday, but they had the energy because they had this milestone for Krejci, the 1,000th game. And there was definitely like people 
there, there were definitely players on the team that were using that as their, their energy and their, um, and the reason why it ended up being six, nothing, but, uh, it was kind of funny when the first whistle came really quick and Krejci was still on the ice. Like the first shift wasn't like it, it was the end of the first shift. We got the whistle and they go to the, the Krejci 1000th game, like announcement. And he like, he goes to the bench and he just like straight faced as always just sitting there and I'm poking Scott and I'm like, Scott, please like have him acknowledge something like he did like for a second, he just looked like he just didn't want to acknowledge it at all, which him and Bergeron are kind of similar in that they don't like the attention. So when the cameras turned on them, they're kind of like, uh, you know, they, they don't want it, but he eventually put his hand up and it was good. And then when we talked to him after the game, he said it, you know, it meant a lot to him and, and that it was um, something that he really appreciated. But like in the moment, I was like, come on, please just like put your hand up for like a second. Um, and even Pasternak after in the locker room, someone was like asked about the moment of the announcement. He goes, you couldn't tell he was so happy. Like <laughs> he was just making a joke because he was so straight faced the whole time. But um, that's kind of just how Krejci is. If, if people don't know, like he just kind of always like he's someone who smiles very infrequently and keeps his emotions inside. So um, the fact that he didn't like get emotional for that or anything is not surprising. In the building, guys, did they uh, have a video tribute for him for this for the no. fans or no? Because it was kind of no. surprising how there was a lack of kind of ceremony. Was there a pregame ceremony with, for him? Or? No. So no. They, they announced that they're going to do the pregame ceremony on February 20th. Um, so I think like the reason they don't do a pregame ceremony today is that, you know, technically it's not his 1,000th game until he plays a shift. Um, so that's why you get like the quick little video after the first shift. Um, but I think this is how they've done it in the past is like, they'll set aside an actual time to do the ceremony and not do it during the game. Like, I think I remember them doing this with Bergeron as well. Um, and then even like earlier this season with Bergeron's thousandth point, it, like, I don't remember like really being a not, you know, like I'm sure it was acknowledged in real time, but it, they already knew like there was going to be a plan for a pregame ceremony at a later date. So I think that's just their general approach to these kinds of milestones. Yeah, and and um, I think Nesson has a Krejci at 1000 um, special coming up in like a week or two that they talked to Krejci's parents. And um, it's similar to the one that they did Bergeron at 1000. Um, so that's, com- I think that I thought I heard January 24th is some, something like that. January 20 something um, is Nesson's uh, like special about him at this point in time but that was really the story you, you get a six nothing win and there are, of course are things you can talk about about the game but post game like you can vouch for this to scott every question was about crazy pretty much like every everything the whole the whole tone of everything was about crazy and the kind of player that he is and the kind of leader that he is even though he's more of a soft-spoken guy um and what and so we're able to talk to Pasternak and zaka to like other players that are from the Czech Republic um, and that he has a relationship with from being line mates. And then obviously him and Pasternak's relationship goes back farther and is a deeper 
relationship like a brother um so we're able because all of those guys did so well today to get all three of them in the locker room talk to all of them and it really was just focused on Krejci um and Scott I don't know if there's anything in particular you wanted to share from those comments after the game that you heard that stuck out from for you well I think you could tell that it did mean a lot to Krejci um you know you mentioned like he doesn't he doesn't show a lot of emotion, but you could tell when he was answering questions after the game that there was emotion behind. Like he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna, you know, like break up and like start crying while he's talking to the media. But you could tell like he was his answers were like very deliberate and thoughtful. And you know, he talked about like how appreciative he was that the Bruins wanted him back. Um, you know, talked about how like he never had any interest in playing anywhere else. Uh, he said he was really proud that. Not just that he's reached a thousand games, but a thousand games all with one team. Like you said, that means a lot to him. Um, so you know, I think you're you're never gonna get like emotions on his sleeve, but you could tell just from the way he answered questions after the game that it all did mean a lot. Both the accomplishment itself, but also you know the the ovation from the fans, um, all the support from his teammates. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it did. And, and just talking to his teammates and talking to Jim Montgomery, like it obviously meant a lot to them. They all love David Krejci, um, understandably so. So, and we've heard that, you know, even in like the days, like the past week leading up to this, because everyone's been asked about it, knowing that it was coming. So, you know, uh, like you heard it from, Bergeron and Marchand over the last few days, like they've both talked about it at, at length about what he's meant. And um, yeah, so it's, you know, it was nice and it'll be nice when they do that pregame ceremony as well. Um, and, you know, and really have like the celebration of it, but obviously a guy who's, who's meant a lot to the Bruins and it's clear that the Bruins and, and Boston fans mean a lot to him. And Brian, before you, I'm sorry, I, I want to let you weigh in here, but the funny thing is, and, and I want your opinion on this too, Brian, um, when Mon- we talked to Montgomery first, as we normally do, and he said something, and then he amended it, but he said, Krejci's the reason why we're the best team this year. And then he was like, well, there's a lot of reasons, but like, he first said that that's why we're so good. And what he meant was, and, and you can just read into it, was just that, the fact that Krejci answered the phone and said, yeah, I want to come back and do, I'll take whatever deal you give me. Like I'm going to come back for pennies. Like that's why they're so, that's why they're competitive. Right. And then you add in all the extra stuff on the outside. So Montgomery said it, and then he was like, well, there's a lot of reasons, but what he means is just that the, that was a solid basis for them to know like what the second line was going to be. And that's how he knew what the depth was going to be. Um, so he means a lot to the team and Montgomery kind of talked about it a little bit. So there's a few things there and, and, and you raise a, a point that I'm going to in return throw to you guys, but just on, on that. Yeah. Like if you take away the coaching personnel, the, the actual player personnel from game seven against Carolina to the opening night face off this year, I mean, Krejci was really the only only difference besides AJ Gray, everybody else was there, right? So 
and Zaka. Zaka too. Zaka too. Sorry about that. But yeah, so like Zaka is a big one as well, and we'll get to him later. But yeah, I mean, Krejci just gives you that depth and allows everybody to fall into place. And, you know, the addition of Zaka also helps that. Guys like Felino and Frederick, you know, uh, in Felino's circumstance, kind of resurrecting his career, and then Frederick's just kind of really starting to hit his stride. Um, that has enabled, like, Taylor Hall to go down to the third line. But, you know, none of this is happening. Taylor Hall is on your third line if David Krejci is on your team. Um, and I know they're different positions, but it's just it's just a matter of the snowball effect. But um, you talk about Krejci's impact over his career. I mean, he's, I think, what, seventh in um, Bruins all-time games played? Is that, or seventh, seventh to a 1,000. But, yeah, so seventh all-time, right? Um, and as far as career points and playoff points, he, playoff points for Bruins, he's got to be up there. He's, he's third in playoff points, second in playoff assists, ninth in total career points, yeah. sixth in total career assists. So he's he's top ten in everything if you include games played. Really, I mean, so if, when you look at it like that, I mean, is he a top ten player in franchise history? The numbers would suggest so. But um, Bridget, you mentioned Montgomery, and I wanted to throw this to you guys as well before we touch on Zaka because one other quote that Krejci said post game, and you, you, one of you guys may have asked it for all I know, but he he made a comment about uh, something about like how. The coaching change is he he really likes the mindset of this team and that the coaching change has really helped that. And while that's not a direct shot at the way Bruce Cassidy ran things, and I'm sure Krejci has the utmost respect for Bruce Cassidy, it does kind of make you wonder, just like everything that people have talked about the last few years about Krejci and would he have come back if Bruce was still here? Um, would he have left if Bruce was fired a year before? I don't really know, but I I, th- I found that comment to be pretty transparent. Uh, in, a, in a hockey world where transparency, unless you're AJ Greer, is tough to come by. He was so much more transparent today. And that's when Scott says like he was after the game and it, when he talked to you, like you had a different personality about him. He was very transparent. There were questions that he was asked about the offseason today that he had not answered really truth, like 100% truthfully before um that we hadn't necessarily like gotten the full extent of so yeah he was definitely speaking today just like from the heart uh more so than he usually would because he's one of those guys that kind of does keep things to himself and he will answer a question like no that's between me and my teammates no that's you know um but today he did answer well yeah and that the quote about you know the coaching changes helped that was like kind of in the same answer where he was talking about uh, Boston being his home um, and saying, you know, I'm very thankful and grateful that they called, that they gave me a call in the summer to come back. Uh, he's, you know, cause then he started talking about this year's team and said, I feel like this could be a special year and kind of went into the reasons for that and said, you know, to your point, I like the mentality of this team to stay in the moment, take it game by game. Practices have been good. Obviously, the coaching change helped a lot. We're obviously feeling good. And, you know, obviously, like, it stood out right in the moment as soon as he said it. And I kind of, I like, I wonder. Like, I sort of read it as not so much a shot at Bruce Cassie. It's just a compliment to Jim Montgomery. as like, you know, we have a new coach, and it's worked really well type of comment. Like, I don't, maybe, you know, maybe I'm misreading, but like, I don't think he was really taking a shot at Bruce Cassidy. I think it was just like, 
hey, this was obviously a big change that we made and it's worked really as well as it possibly could have. Um, but it is interesting. Like we know, you know, he made comments last year about, uh, you know, how he kind of wishes he'd gone to play with Pasternak more, which is interesting because Jim Montgomery after today's game was asked about, you know, like it's crazy vocal in terms of like who he wants to play with or, you know, or, or our other players. Like it was kind of more of a general team question. Um, and he said like, no, like Krejci really hasn't come to him and said, you know, I want to play with so-and-so and not many guys have. Um, but at the same time, Krejci started online with Pasenak this year. So he probably never had to, you know, and like they've gone, even when there's been games where Pasenak isn't there, it never lasts long. It's never like, it's not like they're, they've gone, you know, two months without Pasenak being on Krejci's line. If anything, it's usually a couple games and then it goes back. So, you know, like last game, Pasenak was on the top line. Today, he's back with Krejci and they, you know, light it up against Philly. Um, so he probably hasn't had to make any comments about that. Uh, but I did find it interesting that, like, you know, this was kind of one of those things that we all debated last year as to, like, oh, is that part of the reason why he left? Was he not happy with Cassidy? Never put Bostonok on his line. And then this year, it's like, Montgomery's like, no, he's never said anything about wanting to play with certain guys. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I read it. As far as, you know, the effect that Cassidy had or the coaching change had, on what Krejci does. I I think, yeah, he's probably one of the guys where, you know, by the end there was some friction with Cassidy. Uh, You know, I think we've kind of heard that, but I don't think it really would have affected either of his decisions. Like, I think he wanted to go home and play in Czechia no matter what. Like, I think that he's had, he had said that years earlier that that was, you know, a dream he had and something he wanted to do at some point. And then as far as coming back, I think he probably would have, even if Cassidy were still here, because I I think he really does want to make one last run at a Stanley Cup. And I think, um, you know, he still would have been playing with David Postonok at the World Championships and still would have had that experience. He still would have felt like he could play in the NHL. So, you know, we can only guess, but I I think he would have been back no matter what. But certainly it, it seems like the coaching change you know, probably helped the decision for sure. At the very least. And I don't, like you said, I don't think it was a jab at Cassidy either, especially when you're like, when we were in the room, it didn't feel like that at all. Um, It more so was just like, could it possibly be going better? Like, then how do we question like the fact that the coaching is the way that it is because it's going so well, like there's very, it's even though Cassidy is a good coach, there's a, a slimmer chance that it would be going this well. Like just the way that it's worked out is why he has that feeling about like the coaching changes working because just look at the results basically Um, not to do really with like the relationship that they had or anything like that. And to the um, wanting to play with Pasternak thing, coach said, uh, everybody wants to play with Pasternak. We like, we know everybody wants to play with Pasternak. Like, I feel like you don't have to say, I want to play with Pasternak. Everybody knows like, all right, every single person on this team is going to want to play with him. And then, and he also said, there's a lot of guys on this team. People want to play with. That's why we're such a good team. Like people want to play with Bergeron. People want to play with Marshawn. People want to play with Krejci. Like people, there's a lot of guys on the team that are easy to play with. So people want to. 
Yeah, it's this. That's what happens when you have a ton of depth and and good team chemistry. It's uh, they have a a lot of options. 